da 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 Investing in the Guyana Stock Exchange. Good night, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Common Sense, powered by Lucasid, sponsored by Armcore VPI and MM Snacket. And I'm thrilled and very, very excited for tonight's program. We're talking all about stocks, shares, everything that you want to know, all the questions that you have will be answered. And we're coming live from downtown Georgetown in the heart of the capital city where the cars and, and the buses are moving and everybody is on their way home. And we're right at the Guyana Association of uh, Securities Intermediaries Building, GASI, where trading occurs every Monday. And with me tonight is the general manager of the of Gassi, Mr. George Edwards, who is an experienced professional and who I'm pretty sure is going to ensure that after you leave tonight, you're gonna to be thrilled with all of the information and the education that you gain. So invite a friend, share the page, and come in, let's gain some common sense. Now, over the past few weeks on common sense, we've been focusing on the book, The Richest Man in Babylon. And tonight we're focusing on Q3, which speaks about increasing your ability to earn income. And over the past two weeks, we touched on paying yourself first and controlling your expenditures. And in finance, we considered those to be financial defensive mechanisms in the sense that there is a limit to how much you can save, there's a limit to how much you can budget. 
And that is what we call like defense. You know, if you watch sports, particularly basketball, you know, I'm a basketball fan. Uh, offense is when you're going to score points. Defend is when you're trying to defend opponents from scoring uh, in your basket. And financial defense is basically you defending what you've already earned and ensuring that you manage it properly. But there's a limit to that. But there is no limit to how much money you can earn. That is limitless. And I am always excited to speak about financial offensive mechanisms and financial offensive tactics that you can use to increase your wealth, increase your, your riches, increase your um, earning income. So tonight, the first financial offensive tactic that we're going to learn is investing in the Guyanese Stock Exchange. And this is going to be an extremely informative and educational segment. And enough talking. Let's get straight into the meat. The Guyana Stock Exchange, Mr. Edwards. Can you share a bit about when it was formed and how it was formed and the entire genesis behind the the formation of this stock exchange. Well, good night, Matthew. First of all, let me thank you for this opportunity to talk about the Guyana Stock Exchange to your viewers. Um, the stock exchange was re um, registered on the, in 2001, 4th of July 2001. It was incorporated then but actually opened its doors for trading on July, uh, June 30th, 2003. Since then, um, the exchange has grown not so much in terms of the number of companies being traded, but in terms of value. At the end of, say, 2003, when we first started, the market capital capitalization, which is calculated as the market value of all the companies traded in the exchange. You calculate it by taking the number of shares issued by the companies by the market price. So if a company has issued a million shares and the market price is $5, then the market capitalization for that company will be $5 million. Correct. So you do the same thing, the same calculation for all the share companies traded on the exchange, and then you get a, a final total. And at the end of 2003, market cap was 18 billion Ghana dollars, as at the end of last month, it was 547 billion dollars. Wow. So you can see there has been uh, tremendous growth over the, um, over the years. Excellent. And from moving from 18 billion to 523 billion, 47. 547 billion is, is mind-boggling. And it seems to me that the stock exchange, even though the market cap has increased exponentially, is still somewhat of a secret, a well-kept secret uh, in Guyana, particularly among young people. But you use some terms like market prices and so forth. For, for those viewers who are now ever hearing about the stock exchange, firstly, can you just help them to understand what is a stock exchange and what exactly do you also mean by market forces and market prices? Okay. A stock market can be a physical place. It can also be a virtual place. 
the virtual space where buyer people who wish to sell shares that they actually they, um, currently own and people who have excess cash that they wish to uh, invest can uh, can do a trade this um, in terms for the people who are familiar with um, Georgetown think of us uh, an analogy would be looking at um, border market for instance mm -hmm. border market is owned by the city council they themselves don't buy or sell anything um, but the people who wish to um, sell produce and people who wish to buy produce go to that space the stock market um, the stock exchange is similar to border market in that we provide a space where buyers and sellers of shares and companies can meet to do business the one diff major difference is that while you, you yourself go to the border market, you cannot come to the stock exchange yourself as a buyer or seller. You do so through trained registered professionals called brokers. And in Guyana, we have four bro uh, brokerages. There's Bihari Stock Brokers Limited, Guyana Merchants Market Merchant Bank Incorporated, Hand in Hand Trust Corporation Incorporated, and Trust Company Ghana Limited. So you go to one of those brokers and give them your orders and they will come to the exchange and trade on your behalf. What do we mean by, um, so the prices, there are, some people are under the impression that the stock exchange sets the prices of the shares. Correct. We don't. It is the buyers and sellers who set the price. In other words, if you ask for, uh, if you want to sell some shares, and you ask for too high a price, nobody's going to buy. If you want to buy some shares and your, your offer, your bid, uh, bid is too, too low, low. nobody okay. will sell you the shares. So somewhere along the line, there has to be uh, a meeting of minds. Equilibrium. Right. Where the buyers and sellers are comfortable with the prices and then they will, um, they will, they will do a trade. So the market forces, it's those, those interaction of those, um, the buyers and the sellers, arriving at a mutually uh, agreeable price. That, uh, well, that, that's what sets the, um, the prices. Excellent. Now, have you been here since the inception? No. The, I joined the exchange in 2005. 2005. And from 2005 to 2021, I know you mentioned the, the value of these stock exchanges has grown, but what other uh, growth measures would you say, or what other growth prospects have occurred over these past 16 years that you've been here? What have you noticed different from 2005 to now in terms of, of Guyanese investing on the stock exchange? Well, I can tell you what we have noticed in the last year or two. And that is, uh, thankfully, I'm very happy about it. And my colleague, uh, who is not um, Mrs. Sarojini Rajaram, oh, yeah. we are very happy about it. And the board as well. We're very happy that younger people are inquiring about investments in the, in the stock market. In terms of, we would have liked to see um, more companies coming to the market for money. And I think, um, you know, some companies have strong um, 
relationships with commercial banks. And generally people wishing to do business, whether it is to start a company or start a business, they tend to go to the commercial banks and borrow. Correct. But the stock market provides another, an, an alternative to, to raising um, capital for your business. Once you borrow, a company borrowing means that they pay interest. However, if you go to the stock market and you sell shares to the public, you do not have to pay a dividend. You don't pay interest because it's not a loan. Correct. This, um, people who buy the shares become part owners of the business. And so what happens is that the management of the business, the board of directors, would declare what percentage or what share of the profits made that they will give to the um, pay out to their shareholders. In lean years, they don't have to pay anything. In good years, of course, they can make up for those um, for the lean years by being generous with the um, dividends they pay. How do they set dividends? Well, I think um, any respectable board of directors will be looking at the quantum of uh, profits they make. They'll be looking at um, future expenses and um, market share, whether um, technology is changing anything. Uh, they'll be looking to replacement of existing plant and machinery. So some, most companies, particularly manufacturing companies, will tend to keep a major portion of their um, profits in reserve to meet future uh, plans for expansion, plans for replacement of um, plant and machinery and so on. And, and so the quantum of dividends that the shareholders will get will, de will depend on those plans. And I'm sure they will probably look at what other companies are paying as dividends as well. Correct, correct. As well as they may take into consideration their alternative if you are just saving your money in a commercial bank, which we know at current rates um, are pretty low com compared to the earnings or the yields you get um, by ex um, investing in companies on the traded on the exchange. Okay, so you mentioned that the yields that persons would accrue from trading on the stock exchange is higher than the interest that they would get saving in a commercial bank. Could you like quantify that or okay. give us an example of what what okay. persons can gain let's, investing on the stock exchange versus um Okay, let's say uh, uh, without having done an um, intensive um, study or study. research, I would say the average um, um, earnings, the interest rate you get in a commercial bank now, maybe range between 0.5% to 1%. Correct. Um, but there are many, com and the companies um, traded on the exchange, you can get um, from 1% to, let's say, um, the Mar Tobacco Company right now at their current prices, um, based on their, the, the dividends they've paid for the past 12 months, is 4.4%. Wow. 
One of the major things here, um, I think your viewers should know, is that interest paid by a commercial bank accrues, attracts a 20% withholding tax. So for every dollar the bank pays you, you only get 80 cents. Correct. Right? The tax man takes the other 20 cents. However, from the time the exchange start has started, um, started in 2003 to now, dividends are tax-free. So when a company pays a dividend of a dollar, you get a dollar. Actually, it, what it means is that the company has paid the taxes already. So whatever they pay to you as a dividend, you get tax-free. It's, it's not counted as taxable income Correct. as far as the tax department is concerned. And th that's pretty impressive because I think for countries like America, your dividends are taxed. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. Now, you mentioned one company, uh, Demar Tobacco, and you mentioned that the companies haven't exactly grown on the stock exchange, but could you give viewers who may be new to the stock exchange an idea of some of the companies on the stock exchange? Okay, I can, um, some of the, the ones that are fairly well traded. Banks DIH, um, DDL, the American Distillers Limited, GBTI, Ghana Bank for Trade and Industry Limited, Demarat Tobacco, um, Republic Bank, Ghana Limited, uh, Sterling Products Limited. Those are companies that are fairly um, frequently traded. Beautiful. So there you, there you guys have it. Uh, Banks DIH, DDL, uh, Demarat Tobacco Company, I know there's GBTI, Republic Bank. Those are some of the companies that you can find on the stock exchange and for more information on the companies uh, on the stock exchange you can always visit Gassi's website or you can contact them on 223-621-75 for more information on companies that you can potentially invest in and the good thing about being listed on the stock exchange is that the annual reports for all of these companies are public so as an individual who may be thinking about investing, you can simply type in on Google Republic Bank Guyana's annual report 2020 and you will see the annual reports and you can go through the income statement, the balance sheet, the cash flow and you can read about some of the plans and the projections the company may have and then you can decide whether you think this company is a worthwhile investment and you can compare it with all of the other companies on the stock exchange. So the financial information for these companies are public information. It's not a well-kept secret within a board of directors within these companies, but it's public. So you can uh, check their profitability, check their, their solvency, their liquidity, and you can decide whether it's a worthwhile investment. Now, you mentioned earlier that to invest, you have to go through a stockbroker. And you mentioned the four stockbrokers. Could you shed a bit light about that process? Is it, is it a cumbersome process? Because I know we as young people, we love convenience. We, love, we don't like to be hampered and humbugged, you know, with all of a whole set of paperwork and stuff like that. What is the process like and how fast can if somebody's watching tonight and they decide they want to invest tomorrow, 
how fast can that process be completed? Okay, before I answer, um, we go through the process, I'd just like to add to what you t um, said about um, the public access to information at companies. Mm. The Securities Industry Act requires that companies, public, all public companies, and a public company is defined by that act as any company that has offered its shares to the uh, public okay. or has more than 50 shareholders. But the law also says, compels those companies to publish their financial Sorry. results, both the interim and their final results in at least two daily newspapers. The practice of most companies is to, is to um, publish in all four of their major dailies. Okay. All right? Apart from that, they have to send a copy to each sh um, shareholder Correct. or anyone who may be holding their shares as um, collateral for loans or anything like that. Now, as to the process, if you wish to buy shares, for instance, you go to a broker and you say to the broker, I wish to buy, let's say, a thousand shares in company A. And I am willing to pay $100 per share. Of course, you will set your, um, you can go to the gas keys, um, and we say gas key, but a hard C rather than a soft one. You go to Gasky's website and you can, you can see the movement of the share prices Correct. from the time the company was first traded on the exchange to the current time. Every week we put up the um, trading results Correct. so you can track the share, uh, movement of the share prices. So you can have an idea of let's say what has been the average price for the last three months to help you to decide what price you're willing to pay. Then you tell your broker that, let's say the average price, let's say the last trade price was $100. You say, I want to buy a thousand shares of company A, I'm willing to pay $100 per share. The, 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 the broker is going to ask you for your money up front. The reason being that when the broker comes to the exchange and enters into a trade with another broker, let us say if they didn't have your money and you decide you've changed your mind. Mm -hmm. What would happen is that the broker would have to use his own um, funds to, to, to bring that um, contract um, to, to full end, right? Um, unless you can get the other broker to rescind the trade, to agree to rescind the trade. But apart from that, the, the Anti-Money Laundering Act dictates that most financial, if not all fi um, financial transactions, you have to, uh, a person end, um, doing that, um, those transactions must satisfy the requirements. And usually it would be um, proof of identity, proof of address, and proof of income, or so proof of uh, source of income. Okay, so the whole idea is to try to ensure that um, funds from crimes do not end up into being washed over the um, stock market. So you're saying that if a person is interested in investing on the stock exchange, they, when, when they approach the broker, they would have to have their proof of address, a copy of their payslip, and their ID card or their passport uh, to begin that investment process. Mm -hmm. They may ask you for two forms of ID. Okay. And the, the, of the three forms of ID that can be used is your national ID card, your pa national passport, or your current um, driver's license. Okay, and if you've developed that 
first relationship with that broker now. You, you go through by, with buying 100 shares. Uh, next week, you probably want to add another 100. Do you have to constantly keep carrying back these documents? I, I rather doubt it. Okay. But the, um, the Anti-Mandalorian Act does require that the, um, like the brokers, etc., must update their records on their clients. Okay, beautiful. I, I know it, is, it, it can be a little, um, and, and, uh, as we say again, it may be a little disgusting, but it is the law. Correct. And those uh, brokers have no choice but to it's follow the law. law. Interesting. Correct. So if you're now joining us, we're coming live from Gasky's office located at the corners of Rob Street and the Avenue of the Republic. And we're discussing everything about investing in the Guyana Stock Exchange. Now, can you take us through the actual investment process? I know investing, uh, trading only happens on Mondays. Um, unless there's a holiday, which it wouldn't happen on Wednesdays. When the brokers arrive at the exchange, what really happens? Okay. The brokers come to the exchange and they each sit at a computer station. The market officials, that is myself or my um, colleague Sarojini, mm -hmm would then grant them, when it's, when it's time to start trading, we grant them access to the system. And what would happen is, they, let's, say broker, let's say broker A enters a bid. But currently we have 15 companies um, eligible to be traded that are listed on the exchange for trading. So the brokers would come, they would put up their sell orders, they would put their buy orders on. But let us say a broker is about to, uh, has a buy order, let's say um, for company A, at $100. When they go into that company's um, screen, company A screen, they, will, they may see that hey, another broker had already put up a sell order at $100. They would simply then hit that order. They don't have to, they don't have to enter their order anymore. They will tell the computer, I am interested in that order, I am hitting that order. And they will tell the, actually, it's an open outcry. So they'll actually say to the other broker, I am taking a thousand of your um, company is uh, at $100 per share, right? And they will um, do the trade. At the end of the trading session, Gasky produces market contracts, evidencing of the details of, the, of that trade. The two um, brokers will sign on, on they will both sign on, on, on uh, the trade report and then go, there are other reports done by Gasky and they're posted up on, our, on, on the exchange. But what happens now, the buying broker has five working days from the trading day to pay the selling broker. And then the selling broker would make arrangements with the company, company A's registrar, to issue a new share certificate in the name of the buyer. And of course, they would cancel out that amount of shares from the seller. Now, there's one thing, um, sometimes we are asked whether people can go to the companies to buy shares. Now, generally what happens, a company wishes to raise a billion dollars. They sell shares to the public. 
Once they have gotten uh, raised that billion dollars to carry out their plans, they are done with the public, except for the fact that they have to keep a registry Correct. of um, shareholders. Those, so the, the, it is said that those, uh, that trade takes place in the primary market between the company and the investors. After then, existing um, shareholders or investors can then shell, sell their shares to other people who are interested in buying. Exactly. And that takes place over the exchange, um, uh, which is called, and this is what we call a secondary market. Right, so the shares trades after, the, after, the, after then are between existing shareholders and potential shareholders. Excellent. Now, we touched on dividends and just want to quickly touch on capital gains. For persons who are not financially uh, aware or, or know about these financial terms, can you explain to them what exactly are capital gains? And okay, capital gains is, uh, is a tax on an appreciation of value. Okay. So let's take an example. Say you bought a house and land for $5 million. And let's say five years later, you decide, um, I'm going to sell this, uh, this property. And you manage to sell it, say, for $10 million. You have made a profit of $5 million. Correct. That $5 million would be a track capital gains tax. And currently, the rate of capital gains tax is 20%. Correct. You do, the same would happen with a motor car. However, on the, if you bought shares in the stock exchange for $5 million, and you sell those shares back for $10 million, and you make a profit of $5 million, it's all yours. There's no capital gains tax. Right. Mind you, I should say the government of the day can change, right? It's not cast in stone, but the government so far have um, supported the capital market by allowing dividends to be tax-free and not um, charging capital gains tax on profits made on the true price appreciation. Excellent. Now. That's wonderful news because I don't know of anybody that likes taxes, you know. Um, I have to be very careful with what, what I say here because I work at GRE, but no taxes on dividends, no taxes on capital gains. You really can't go any better than that. And that's why investing in stocks is a sensible investment decision because you you're likely to benefit exponentially uh, from your investment. No taxes are attracted. And the thing about owning shares in a company is that you have that for the rest of your life. So for example, my grandfather uh, came back into the country and he came to visit early up in the year and he had some shares in Bank ZIH. And I was behind him to transfer those shares into my name. And the beautiful nature of owning shares is that once you go into Bank ZIH and you uh, tell them that, hey, I want to transfer these shares into 
my son's name or my daughter's name, that process can be facilitated. It's actually a quite, at least in my experience, it was a very simple process, though a bit lengthy. Uh, it was a very simple process. And now I'm the owner of, of shares in Bank ZIH. I'm, I'm a shareholder of Bank ZIH now. Because my grandfather would have made that investment uh, how many decades ago? So can you tell our viewers about how owning shares can be a, a vehicle to, to ensure that their generations are, can, can benefit from some form of inheritance? Okay. Shares in public companies are like real property. Um, let us say a person um, um, buys some shares. Those shares, like the, uh, let's say they bought a car, a motor car as well, and a uh, house and land. All those things form part of the estate, including the bank account, all okay. part of the estate. If that person dies and leaves a will, that dictates how the um, estate should be distributed, then someone will go to the court, get um, probate and letter of ad administration, and then they will distribute the um, estate according to the person's will. If the person dies intestate, meaning they did not make a will, those things are still part of the estate, but in, so someone will have to go to the court and apply for letter of administration. And then they can then dispose of the estate, of the assets, as they wish, either by giving them to, let's say, family members, or selling um, all the assets and then splitting the money up among family members or, or, um, you know, that, may, that would have a claim on the estate. But the thing is, the shares in a company are part of your estate. A, it is a real asset, and it forms part of your estate. And if you are, uh, when you die, it, just like all, how your, the, your land may go to your son, for instance, Correct. Your, your shares go to your son. It would just mean that, like in both cases, you would have to go to the relevant authorities to have the title re-registered in your name. Excellent. And for me, that makes a lot of, of common sense because Christmas is coming and a perfect gift for you to get your loved ones, your significant other, your friends, your family, would be some shares in a company. Because the beautiful, the beautiful thing of owning shares is that you're going to be getting your dividends for the rest of your life. After you make that initial investment, as long as that company is performing, uh, performing well, you have dividends for the rest of your life. And I think that young people, even adults, that is a worthwhile vehicle for you to invest some of your money and not just have money sitting in the banks. Because the brutal honesty and the brutal truth about having money sitting in the bank in Guyana is that the interest rates are ridiculously low and the inflation rate is, is increasing exponentially faster than 
the interest rate. So it might be better to get your money outside of just sitting defensively in the bank account and making some financially offensive moves to increase your ability to, to earn. Now, persons watching might be thinking, hey, I don't have a lot of money, I'm not rich, and I don't have money to invest in the stock exchange. Do you need to be rich to become an investor or can somebody with $10,000 in their pockets right now become an investor with that small quantity of money? Okay. There's a misconception that many people believe that you have to have loads of money before you can buy shares. Some companies have um, a minimum amount of share, number of shares that you should buy, okay. at least on your first buy. But because we wanted to encourage as many people as possible, including the grandmothers who may have uh, a small set of money uh, salted away somewhere, and young people coming up, we wanted them to get involved in the stock market. We have asked um, those companies to relax, relax. that um, criterion. Only one company um, insists that the first buy must be a thousand shares, and after then you buy in multiples of a hundred, and that is banks' day age. Okay. But the others have relaxed their um, minimum buy criterion, and. So you can look at the share prices available on, um, on Gasky's website and see how many shares you can afford to buy because the share prices are different. All right. All right? Um, Banks that age, uh, probably the most frequently traded company, current um, uh, market price is 100, um, we closed at 120 yesterday. Okay, so $120 per share. Not cutting you, so basically you would need at least $120,000. For banks there, but for others you may, you can start less. Okay. Because you can buy a smaller number, um, Correct. a small amount of shares. And um, so how much money you have uh, and I will, will dictate probably if it's a small amount, which company you'll be able to buy into. Excellent. So there you have it, guys. You can begin investing with a small amount of money unless you, you want to invest in Bank's IH, which requires persons to begin with at least a thousand shares. And they're currently trading at $120. So you would need at least $120,000 to begin investing in uh, banks but for other companies on the exchange you can begin with what you have and you can continue to build and, and purchase more shares as your income expands another misconception that persons have about investing in the stock exchange is the idea that they think if they invest come november 12th 2021, by December 12, 2021, they're going to be overnight billionaires or millionaires <laughs> or they're going to earn a truckload of cash. Now, anybody that knows about investment knows that it's a long-term process. It's not a 
get-rich-quick scheme. So if you're watching and that is the, the mentality that you have, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but it's going to be a process. Am I right about that? Right. Let's say in, in the US, for instance, where um, they have so many more companies and so many um, probably trillions of shares traded. You'll find, and the market is, uh, prices change. You find that they have what are called day traders. Correct. So someone can enter the market and say buy some shares at say 1030. Watch, keep track of their share prices. And if it, let's say the share prices rise mm -hmm. and then it peaks and it starts to drop. At that point in time, that person may sell the shares Correct. and make a profit. And they can do that on a daily basis because of the nature of their market. Correct. In Guyana market, we only trade once One. per week. And so you're not likely to have day traders. Correct. But what happens is that making money off of your, um, your your, your, your investment in the stock market here takes time. That's right. So it may, you are quite right. It should be looked at as more as a long-term okay. investment rather than a get-rich-quick scheme. And, but I'd like to share something with you. Studies in the US mm -hmm. have shown at least um, around, to be, they ran some studies from 1997, 98, so about 2008 funded by Merrill Lynch. And what they found was that uh, people leave high school, enter the workforce, work all their lives, didn't pay, uh, make any investment decisions, got to the point of uh, retirement, and then realized that their income would be cut significantly. Correct. So at that point in time, they might have saved some money in the bank, but we know what, you just said it, inflation, reduces the, um, the real value oh, of that them. money. Correct. So at that age, they have to make uh, maybe one of two choices. Either I cut back on my lifestyle or I go back to work. And generally at those ages, you can't compete with young folks like you, right? right. And so they end up, may end up becoming security guards. And so, and you also mentioned in terms of the inflation as well. It is argued that by investing in the stock market, you get some amount of protection from inflation. How does that work? Companies operating in, in, in their markets recognize that inflation will hit them as well because input prices may go up. Correct. What do they do with those um, increase in prices? They pass it on to the consumers. My guess is that maybe, they may be guessing as to the, ex, um, the, the level of inflation that will apply say in a particular year. And maybe their guess may be, uh, they may add, to be on the safe side, to be conservative, they may add a little bit something on. If the, um, if the inflation rate does not rise as fast as they expected, then whatever extra between the, the, what they put onto the prices and the inflation rate would be extra profit. So the companies will make, um, can make extra profit there 
and therefore and may be able to pay a, be a better dividends. Um, but apart from that, let's say you buy some shares in a company that most of us eat bread, drink, buy uh, bottled water, we drink beer, we drink alcohol, uh, we go to the restaurants. It makes sense that if you, for instance, if you, if you use most of your staple you, um, items that you use are produced by a company in your own country, mm -hmm. it makes sense to buy shares in that company. Correct. Because it means that you are buying your own product. Correct. And some of the profits made by that company come, comes back to you. Beautiful. And that example that you just mentioned also, it makes sense because for me as an investor, I always try to invest in companies that are diversified. So you just mentioned, I think, uh, Bangs DH might be a good example. They're involved in uh, alcoholic beverages, bread, uh, consumables. I think they're also involved in uh, banking and a whole host of industries or a whole host of services form the, the foundation of Bangs DIH. And for example, now if the pandemic, uh, a pandemic hits now and persons ain't drinking rum anymore, that aspect of the company may be hampered if it's solely a alcoholic company. But given that the company has furious industries, one year this particular industry might go down but the others can be a buffer. So you might not lose as much on your investment within that year. So I would always advise persons to, to invest in companies that are diversified so that in the, in the instance of any rainy weather, uh, metaphorically speaking, you can, you can not have to suffer too big of a loss, right? So investing in diversified companies is it's a smart choice. And another thing about our stock exchange that is different from uh, the USA is that I would say that we don't have a lot of growth companies. Most of the companies are already established companies because I think in Guyana there is a limit or there is a, a foundational barrier that you would have to surpass to be able to list as a company publicly. For example, if my friend Ayola, who owns Yola's Cake, if she wants to put her company on the stock exchange, I don't think as a small business she would have that opportunity. Not currently. Currently to be listed in the exchange, either your shareholders' funds mm -hmm. or market value must be at least $500 million. And many small companies will not reach that. Okay. But let me just say that it is something that we're looking at to see whether we can um, see how we can go about um, starting what, what Jamaica calls a junior market. Correct. To uh, um, to allow smaller, younger companies to raise funds from the public. Definitely, and, and that's something I plan on advocating on through my platform because I've watched the Jamaica Stock Exchange. I think for at least two years over the past six years, they were ranked the best stock exchange in the world by Bloomberg, right? Um, small Jamaica, just in case you didn't know. And 
the junior stock exchange has been a major catalyst for that uh, growth in the in the um, in, in Jamaica stock exchange. And another benefit of of being listed as a junior company is that I think in it's either in Jamaica or Trinidad for the first ten years that company does not have to pay taxes. Jamaica. Jamaica. That is, that is. I haven't really looked at the Trinidad um, the market, but that that is to me really. There are tax uh, breaks that the, the companies have. Listing and for many persons, equity financing might be better option than than debt financing. So I think that hopefully within the next, I would say five years to ten years, that Guyana can develop that uh, junior market for smaller companies to to go public and benefit from equity financing. As we prepare to, to wrap up tonight's session, uh, I want to encourage you guys to check out Gassi's website. Every week, as Mr. Edwards says, the trading report is, is uploaded on the website where you can see the latest trading prices, you can see the earnings for share, you can see the PE ratio, uh, you can see the dividend yield, and you can keep abreast of all of the occurrences that are happening at the stock exchange. And the beauty about the website is that if you want to know what happened in 2015, you can easily click 2015 and you can go through all of the trading sessions and see the appreciation and the prices of, of the companies on the stock exchange. So the website is very easy to, to access and I want to encourage you guys to, to check out the website and you can always call them uh, on 223 for any information that you need uh, about investing on the stock exchange. So to give a brief summary of what we've learned tonight, dividends on shares are tax-free, capital gains on your shares incur no taxes. To invest on the Guyanese Stock Exchange, you would have to go through one of the four brokers. Uh, could you please list the name of the companies again? Bihari Stock Brokers Limited, Guyana America's Merchant Bank Incorporated, Hand in Hand Trust Corporation Incorporated, and Trust Company Guyana Limited. Beautiful. So you can contact brokers from any one of those four companies. All they need is a proof of address, proof of income, uh, ID. ID, and you can begin trading as soon as, as possible. And you do not need to be rich to begin trading. Uh, you can start with whatever you have. Uh, only banks DIH requires a minimum uh, purchase of at least 1,000 shares. And the current trading price of banks is 120, which means you would have to have at least $120,000 in savings. Is there anything else that I would have missed Concerning uh, these just uh, just to uh, remind you that um, the brokers okay. will charge you for working for you. They charge you a commission for working for you. An average is about two percent of the value of the trade right now. Okay. All right. It, and there may be some other small charges that they incur. Right. Um, but there are two other things. Uh, um, you 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 went through back the the the, the tax breaks. Mm -hmm. But I just want to remind them that you have some amount of protection from inflation right. when you invest in companies because the dividends coming back to you 
particularly for companies that you, of, for, of which you are also a consumer. Gives you some amount of protection from the um, inflationary pressures. And there's something that um, at least I feel strongly about. And that it, uh, I feel very strongly about my home country, Guyana. Mm -hmm. And one of the things about buying shares in these companies is that you own a piece of some of the progressive companies in Guyana. Excellent. And I think it's something to be proud about. Definitely. Excellent. So there you guys have it, straight from the amount of the general manager here at Gasky. And just want to encourage you guys, it's very important to save, it's very important to, to budget and to manage your expenses. But there's a limit to that and uh, there's no limit to how much you can earn and how much you can invest. So some of that saving, use it to increase your uh, wealth generation and buy some shares in the stock exchange. Check out the companies on the stock exchange. The annual reports are public. Read about them. Uh, check the profitability ratios and the measures and invest, invest, invest. I want to encourage you guys to invest. So before 2021 is out, we have about a month and 19 days or 18 days or 20 days, whatever it is. Christmas is coming. Do not just go and spend all the money on a brand new chair set or a new carpet or a new mattress or all of the other beautiful stuff that we want to spend on. Invest in some shares and you have that share certificate for the rest of your life. You'll be earning dividends for the rest of your life. And that can always be transferred to your generation thereby creating generational wealth. So I want to thank you guys for tuning in. This episode has been powered by our very gracious and amazing sponsors, LucasAid. Uh, ensure that you grab one of the two new flavors, the citrus punch and the uh, berry crush, as well as you can check out M&M Snack It for all of your pastries and all of your catering needs. And don't forget to check out Amcor VPI as well, who would give analysis on some of the companies on the stock exchange. If you, if you need more information, you can always check Amcor VPI's website. And don't forget to tune in back here next week for another episode of Common Sense. And there's so much more for us to discuss concerning investment. This is just one aspect of investment, investing in the stock exchange. But there is investment in yourself, investment in business, investment in other uh, mechanisms. So we're going to delve in more into the topic of investment in subsequent episodes, as well as we're going to be touching on some financial red flags. And we're going to have a session for women, and, and we're going to have some really amazing sessions coming up as we wrap up this year. So don't forget to share, like, and subscribe, and ensure that you gain common sense Enjoy. Oh no, oh, I ain't going nowhere. I love this place. You are here. Oh no, oh, welcome to Moko Moko.